Well, my voice is uh, coming back. For the most part. Told some people this week that uh, thank God took my voice for baseball season. <laughs> some parents are a little serious about that. Like tests. Not me. Not me. You like tests? How many of us think the world will be a better place without tests? Me. <laughs> if you think that, man, Micah, you're good today. How would you measure success and failure without some sort of test? I don't know. I ask these questions. Because the greatest passage for me about the source of temptation is in the middle of a passage about trials and testing. Um, it's after the, the intro uh, to, to James. And, and, and James there in his epistle says, Consider it joy when you experience various trials and testing. I, uh, I don't get embarrassed much. I'm a, uh, how would you describe that, Carrie? You know, you know. I don't get, do I get embarrassed very easily? No. I was embarrassed one time at, at Howard Payne. I was Minister Alliance President, and as as president, I had the privilege to preach chapel one Sunday, one one Thursday morning, Friday morning. I forgot when we had chapel. One of those mornings. <laughs> and of course, I was pastoring a little church there in town, and and that semester was my, my, my last year there at Howard Payne. And we had a huge group, about 15 college students who had started coming to the church. And so the church literally was 10 people over the age of 60 and 15 college students every Sunday morning. Well, the, the college students, of course, were in chapel that morning because they were all freshmen and they had to be. Um, but they're all sitting on the first row. And I preached a little bit on the passage that we're having this morning with at church Sunday before, and they were all there. And then I asked them a question about the passage, or asked a question rhetorically about the passage, and the entire front row gave the wrong answer. Um, I, I was a little embarrassed by the entire congregation. did not know the answer to the question that I had told them that week. Um, but there it was. James is one of those things that and when we get to this text, you'll probably understand why they get the wrong answer, because I think we do the same thing. Because James goes on to seemingly say that in some ways testing comes from God to strengthen the wall that we have. But our text today is his argument against the ideas that may inevitably pop up when dealing with the things of life. And so there in uh, James chapter 1, and I just lost my text, but... <laughs> Thirteen. Is that what it says on my thing? There you go. There we go. I don't know. I mean, it's gone. I erased it a little ago on accident. So it says there in verse thirteen, no one undergoing a trial should say, "I'm being tempted by God," for God is not tempted by evil, and He Himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. That after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. That's perfect. 
Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now as we look to your word, Father, that you would just use me as a vessel this morning, Father. Speak your word through me. Father, we, we thank you for loving us. And we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake. And all God's people said. If I was professional, I would have taken a drink of water while I looked for my text. But go ahead. I swear it is. You know, in, in this context, we see the first thing is that testing and trials and temptation are not the same. You know, it's there's this fine line we walk when we begin to talk about testing and trials, and, and, and this is where a little bit that our English language lets us down. Um, English isn't as specific of a language as Greek is. And so when when you read this in English, you're just kind of like, well, okay, testing. Oh, temptation. Oh, trials. And we in English we would kind of intermarry those a little bit. But that's not what this text says. This text makes a differentiation between testing and temptation. So they're clearly not the same. Trials here are those situations that test our reliance upon God. When God puts us through a trial, or God puts us through a test, it's, it's not temptation. It's, not, it is, it's this idea of, are we going to rely on God, or are we not going to rely on God? One of the classic examples of this is Abraham and his sacrifice of Isaac. God has is, God is given this child to Abram. He's promised it. Changes the name to Abraham. The child is there, and the child is growing. He is a strong child. He is the child of promise. And God says to Abraham, Abraham, take your son, your only son whom you love, and go to the place where I'm going to show you and sacrifice him later. God has made so many promises to Abraham. I am going to bless you through this child. I'm going to bless every nation on earth through this child. I'm going to make you the father of many nations through this child. And then God says, Sacrifice. Go kill him. Now, Abraham, at that moment, was being tested. There was a trial. He had to determine whether he was going to rely upon God and his promises, or if he was going to use his logical mind to say, Well, if I kill him, those promises can't come true. Classic example of God testing someone. Or the wilderness wanderings, right? God, get, God gets them out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. They're, they're supposed to go in. I've got this land for you. It's flowing with milk and honey. It is ready to go. And they send in those 12 spies and they come back and what happens? <laughs> they're bigger than we are. There's more of them than we are. We can't do this. We're like grasshoppers in our own eyes because of this. Let's not go in. They had to decide. Are they going to trust and rely upon God, or are they going to trust in their own selves? And of course, they trust in themselves. Now, we can sin in trials. There is a temptation there to sin by relying on our own strength and wisdom. The trial is the choice between depending on God and depending on me. But temptations are those situations that test our obedience to God and His commands. Are we going to obey the commands that God has given us. Those seem to be the easier ones for us to, to uh, do that, right? When we fall into temptation, or when we fail in temptation, it's always sin. If you fail in a test, it may not be sin. You just failed that test, and 
you may not get the blessing that God has for you. If you fail in temptation, it's sin. And temptation is the choice between choosing God's way or choosing my way. And the easiest way to see that is just look at the Ten Commandments, right? Those are the easiest ten laws for us to remember, for us to know. Am I going to choose God's way? Am I going to choose my way? Do not lie, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. All of those things. I can choose to follow God's will, to follow God's way. Or I can choose not to. And, and, and the way it works always, right, is temptation is very, <laughs> very, see, it's often not a, a blatant ask, it's a, it's a small ask. Is it really cheating if I do this? Is it really a lie? If they never find out. And I've heard people give that argument. Is it really a lie if I tell it because the truth would hurt them? It's still a lie. There's no way around that. And sometimes the truth hurts. And, you know, sometimes we men make our choices to lie because. We don't want to get hurt, I guess. Right? Does this make my butt look big? You know? <laughs> no, ma'am. Have I gained weight? No. Nine months pregnant. Have I gained weight? Absolutely not. <laughs> but the temptation of those choices and obedience and my obedience to God's commands. Or am I going to choose to go against God's commands? And the, the difference is really testing can come from God while temptation never came. Temptation requires evil and God is holy good. Now, so how am I going to tell the difference? How am I going to tell the difference when this comes upon me if I'm being tested or if I'm being tempted? How am I going to, to learn to say, okay, this is a test from God or if I'm going to rely upon him or this is a temptation? How do I know the difference? How can I know this is coming from God or it's not coming from God? Well, it's easy. Is this situation asking me to do something contrary to God's commands? That's, that's how we know. If God is testing us, he's not going to tell us to do things that are sinful. That won't happen. God isn't going to say, be sinful. <laughs> he's going to tell you to do something. You can either trust him in that or not trust him in that. And so the testing will always have that. You can be tempted inside your testing. You know, the first test for Abraham was what? I'm going to give you a son. And then God didn't do it in Abraham's timing, right? So his wife said, you know, I'm getting old. But I've got this handmaid. She's mine. So any child you have with her would also be mine. Have a child with her. Now, Maybe, maybe Sarah at that point was like, I don't want to have a baby. I'm not your soul. But there she was. And there was a temptation there. And Abraham failed in that moment. Because he went ahead and had a baby with Hagar. And it caused all sorts of issues, right? 
Today, those children are still fighting each other. They're still fighting. Ishmael's kids and Isaac's kids still fighting to this day. What James here seems to be getting at is God may bring testing and you may be tempted, but just because God is testing you doesn't mean He's tempting you. So, so where then does temptation come from? We, we sometimes have this holy attitude of testing. You notice that? God's just testing me. Yeah. I made my joke a while ago about God taking my voice during baseball. God's just testing me. But not everything that we go through is a test. God isn't always testing us. Sometimes the world is just broken. Sometimes the world gets messed up. You know, and, and, and here's the key. And this is where my, my, my college students all said the wrong answer. I asked the question, so where does that temptation come from? And every one of them said the devil, including my Anyway, um, she was sitting in the front row too, and I looked at them and I went, no! <laughs> we had just read the text too. We had just read this verse 10 seconds before. Because what's the verse say? The verse says the source of temptation is something else. Because there's something within each person that gravitates towards sin. There's something within us that gravitates towards that. Paul over in Romans talks about that a lot. He says, man, I don't do what I want to do because there's something inside of me that's pulling me to the things that I don't want to do. But it's there and it pulls me and that pull is hard. And I struggle against it. There's something within us that gravitates towards sin. There's something within us that makes us go, you know, that won't hurt. And we don't care what the cost is. And in the middle of those trials, in the middle of those temptations, in the middle of that, we go, just a little bit won't hurt. Just a little bit's not going to hurt me. But if I made you a cake, and I brought it to your house and told you there was a secret ingredient. But I wouldn't tell you what that secret ingredient is. I just told you it was all natural. You can eat that cake. I'm not going to eat that cake, but... Because if I put a little bit of dirt in it, hey, put a little bit of dog poop in it, just a little bit doesn't hurt, right? That's how we do with sin, right? It's just a, just a little bit ain't going to hurt. Just a little bit hurts nothing. But it changes the whole thing for me if I'm looking at a cake with dog poop baked into it. That changes everything. I ain't eating it. I ain't touching it. I, I'm, a, I'm a super taster. My dad was too. Um, there are certain tastes that I can taste no matter how much is in something. I'm a, I call them my sour milk product. Sour cream, mayonnaise, ranch dressing. Can't do it. Can't eat them. I can taste it. <laughs> I had a girlfriend a long time ago before I was married. Um, <coughs> I was clear that up. I had a girlfriend, and I was at her her mom's house, and we were we were sitting around the, the table, and it was lunchtime, and she brought out this dish and put it in front of me. It was an egg-based dish. I think it was a quiche, but anyway. 
And I bit into it, and I went, oh, what is in this? She said, I'm not going to tell you. You won't eat it. That's not going to eat it anyway. What's in it? She said, it's, it's nothing. And I said, it's either mayonnaise or sour cream. And she said, you can't know that. There's only a tablespoon. And I said, I can taste it. A little bit changed everything. That's sin. A little bit changes everything. We let a little bit into our lives and everything's different. It doesn't matter. Just a little bit. <laughs> you ever had your house all nice and closed up and the air conditioner's running and somebody opens the garage door and leaves it open? Just a little bit of hot air changes everything. Because all of a sudden... It doesn't feel cool anymore. A little bit changes everything. And so here we are looking at these things and we have this thing that says, hey, we gravitate towards it because our desire is deformed. Remember last week we talked about Charles Stanley talking about desire. Because what he said was, our desires are natural. God has given us our desires. Our desires are things that, that, that God has given us in order to bring us pleasure in our life. But sin has deformed that desire. And that desire has become perverted because of what sin has done to us. And so we begin to take God's desires and use them for purposes they're not to be used for. This is an opportunity to desire God's pleasure or to corrupt that desire. We can, we can choose to partake in God's pleasure in the way that God has it for us. Or we can let that corrupt the desire and choose this over here. That is the temptation here. Now, the key is, we have to remember, that no one is to blame for your temptation but you. Ouch. That's the part we don't like. That's what it says, right? But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. The devil didn't make you do it. Now I'm not saying there are tempters because the devil is the tempter. And he can give you temptation all day long. There are tempters out there. But all tempters do is appeal to that evil that is already inside you. Most of the time, then that one time, boom, you know, it just comes out. And we don't know what to do with it. And, and, it's, and it's there. It's why sanctification in the life of a believer is important. It's why Paul writes and he says, think on these things. Put away these things and think on these things. Paul, Paul never. <laughs> I think the church as a whole in the world would look different if we took the words that Paul says seriously. Because he comes in and he says, put away. He starts talking about anger and malice and strife. He put away these things. Put on these things. Those are active things, right? Those aren't, well, you're a believer now, so everything's going to be okay, and don't worry about it. Paul says, put these things away. War against them, as he would say over in Romans. Put them away. And then he would say, think on things above. Be conformed to the image of Christ. 
This is more than lip service. It's more than a prayer. It's more than a bumper sticker. It's more than I love Jesus. It's a process by which we become more Christ-like. It's the act of taking these things in our lives and saying, okay, God, I'm going to actively war against this. I'm going to actively war against anger. Maybe that's your issue. Maybe, maybe you find yourself angry all the time. Maybe Tim McGraw has sang about you. And you are just always mad. Maybe this is where you say, God, I'm going to war against anger, and I'm going to put it away. I'm going to put that away. Maybe yours is just envy. Maybe you're envious of everything. Maybe you want everything that everybody else has. Well, their TV's better. Their house is better. They're this, whatever it is. Maybe you're, maybe house of say, God, I'm going to put that envy away because I don't need it. But it's an active choice. It's something we do actively and we say, okay, I'm going to war against this. It's how we become more Christ-like. It's how our desires and our wants get aligned with the things of God. Because it doesn't come naturally. And I think somewhere along the way, we fail to telling people that when they become believers. We tend to tell them, we are heavy on the new creation. We're not so heavy on the war against the sin that still remains. <laughs> You're a new creation. You're going to heaven. Woo! But then we drop them in the world and say, go. Go <laughs> where? What am I supposed to do with this? I know Jesus, but what do I do with this? How do I handle this? And, and, and that's really the key. We have to be people who are trying to get our desires aligned with those of God. Because there are consequences to sin. The funny thing is, temptation isn't sin if it stops at desire. You can be tempted and not sin. We talked about that last week, two weeks ago. Sorry, not last week, two weeks ago. You can be tempted and not sin. But once temptation becomes sin, it leads to the path of death. That's, that's this. Now, now what does that mean? But I'm a believer. Yes. Absolutely. And I would say that the path of death for a believer looks different than the path of death for an unbeliever. Your life will look different. Because once you're a believer, you are in the right hand of God and you cannot be snatched out. But you can have a hard and rocky life because of the choices that you make. You can find yourself in places that you do not want to be. many friends in my life who have chosen that opposite path. Friends that I watched accept Jesus, that I know knew Jesus, that I know made a commitment and they and they jumped in and they tried and world in 
all of its sparkly things. Pull them away. seems hopeless, if God has brought you to it, he's going to bring you through it. Man, Abraham looked at his servant and said, we'll come back to you. Tell them, we'll come back. And I think he fully meant that. He fully believed we're going to come back. Even if God has to raise this boy from the dead, we're coming back to you. Maybe today, you're being tested and God wants to say, will you rely upon me one more time? Rely on him, cling to him, hold to him. Maybe today you're being tempted. Maybe there, maybe you're just like, you know, it's anger or it's wrath or it's malice or whatever it is. There's just something that you are being tempted with and it's time to say, okay, God, I'm going to war against this and I know I can't do it on my own, 
But I know today is the birthday of the church and I know you gave us a spirit. Father, use that spirit to war in my life. Help me to put away the things I need to put away and to put on the things that I need to put on because God, I want to stand and I want to be your witness and I want to bring people who were lost and dying to you so that they can know the glory. Maybe this morning you have someone to be. Maybe you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to turn the missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never known the one who came and walked on this earth and, and died for your sins. This morning I, I shared a scripture. And what, what and when we talked about it was Jesus told us to love each other as he loved us. What does that mean? Well, he gave up the halls of heaven to come walk on earth and die for me. He did that for me. He did that for you. And you can have freedom and you can have the power of the Spirit if you know Him today. Don't let the day, let the day go by if you don't know Jesus. If you don't know Him from the outside, we'll try and know Jesus and we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to Him. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings.